This is Opinionated. I don't really have a full understanding of it, but that won't stop me from having an opinion. That's why we're here. Join Features Editor Ben Schiller and reporters Anna Batakova and Danny Nelson. You know, crypto is no longer just about money. It's about culture now. It's like you're thumbing your nose at the process. Part of politics and part of sports and part of gaming. And it's not just the future of money anymore. As they push the conversation further with their own criticisms and reactions to the latest Bitcoin and crypto news from around the world. It believes crypto is bad and it wants it out. I'm even old enough to remember when Microsoft was a kind of cool company in Silicon Valley. Ben, you're old enough to remember when telegrams came over a wire under the sea. (laughs) And just a reminder... Coindesk is a news source and does not provide investment advice. Hello, Spinionated, another episode of a celebrated podcast with Danny Nelson. Hi, Danny Nelson. Hello, hello. Good, good, good to have you back. Good to see you come back from Consensus OK. And we welcome back our co-host after a short break. That's Anna Bedekova. Hi, Anna. Hello, everyone. So, Danny, we're going to talk about a decentralized protocol for lending today and some of the issues around that. Do you want to take it away? Yeah. So this past week in crypto, we've seen a lot of spectacular blowups and events that have come close to falling over the edge. My favorite has been some controversy happening on a DeFi protocol on Solana called Solend. This is a borrow and lend decentralized application that found itself in a sticky situation when a single whale who comprised over 90% of the deposits for the Solana pool and over 80% of the borrow for USDC came close to liquidation for $100 million. And to skip ahead a little bit, this could have been a huge problem because the facilitators of this project feared that if this whale got liquidated, then all of Solana could have crashed, not to mention price and the network. So they voted to take over the whale's wallet. Then they voted to revoke the previous vote. And now the whale is moving around his funds. But all this has prompted a renewed debate over decentralization because a lot of people are looking at this and thinking, wow, this decentralized protocol that purports to you know, have distributed power and all this and all these ideals has voted to give itself emergency powers to take over an account. And how can that be something that we accept in crypto? So that doesn't sound debate. very decentralized to me. Doesn't doesn't ever sound very decentralized. But we have a good person on this week to help us walk through it, and that's Teddy Woodward. He is CEO of a project called Notional Finance. That's a fixed APY borrow and lend service on the Ethereum network. And Teddy has certainly perspectives on the Solana ecosystem, but he also has some thoughts to share about this instance more specifically. So hi, Teddy. Welcome to the show. Hey, Danny. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah. So just for everybody's background, I'm co-founder of Notional, and uh, we're a fixed rate lending protocol on Ethereum. Currently have something like $170, $180 million in TVL. You know, we have some experience with sort of what's going on on Solend right now. So what I take away from this is ultimately that I see this as kind of an indictment of DeFi on Solana in general. There's two problems that the protocol was facing when it decided to take over control of of this whale's account. So the first problem is that they didn't feel that there was sufficient liquidity on decentralized exchanges on Solana to be able to liquidate the whale's sort of collateral position. So there just wasn't enough liquidity for one. And then the other problem is that 
basically the way their liquidation mechanism is structured, as I understand it, could have caused huge problems for the Solana network more generally. Could have caused us a, a network failure, which would have obviously led to maybe the borrower wouldn't have been liquidated, even if there were sufficient sort of DEX liquidity. So like it's two very, very big problems. And to me, it's just, it feels like, okay, so Sol is the Solana network's native token. If you can't even use the network's native token as collateral on a lending protocol, what can you do? What can you borrow against on Solana if you can't borrow against the network's native token safely? That's, that's number one. And then number two, if the entire network is at risk of failure, when you need to process a liquidation, both those things, to me, it says you shouldn't really be building on Solana because ultimately, if the thing doesn't work when you need it to work, it's a really unstable foundation. I don't know how you could ever feel safe using it. So that's but, kind of my, my take there. Is it, is it fair though to take this, what we could say is an edge case? Because right, this is a situation that has come about because a single whale had so much of a uh, percentage of a pool that if they got liquidated, then you start to see issues. Now, who's to say that this wouldn't happen on a different network? If you have a single actor who just is so aggressive on a, a one position, just because they have so much money in the system, does that mean that it's not going to work? Especially if we are talking about the new assets, you know, that, that's just emerging. Take Terra, for example. It also suffered because there were like tremendous amounts of liquidity moving in and out of pools that ultimately crashed the whole system. So this problem, you know, might actually be an issue for many other protocols. Uh, yeah, sure. But what I would say is that the edge cases are the things that actually matter. Like this is what is happening in crypto right now, right? Like all the things that like looked nice when things were going up are now yeah. being put to the test. I guess it's okay to use something that works well on the upswing, just as long as you make sure you're not at risk on the downswing, but like fundamentally, like not a stable system. And I guess what I would say is like, in contrast, Ethereum DeFi has proven itself to be completely resilient. You know, in the price crash on Ethereum, we had way bigger debt positions than this whale on Solana, far bigger. And there was never, never any question of would this like crash the Ethereum blockchain? Absolutely not. Would this debt get liquidated? We saw huge liquidations on Ethereum and that process just fine. As a protocol founder myself, I just, I, I don't know how you could justify saying it's okay that your thing doesn't work when it really needs to work. Like, I don't know how you could say that that's like an acceptable thing. And it's, it's hard to do this and it's hard to design these systems. And, but I don't think anybody can just say it's okay for it not to work when it needs to. So what's the bottom line? Like, what is the lesson? Like, don't build DeFi on anything other than Ethereum or what should blockchain system builders learn from this? Yeah, I mean, so we build on Ethereum and, and I would, I guess, suggest that other people do as well because of this, because it's robust in infrastructure. It's not going to fail when you need it. Now, as for this specific situation with the sole position in Solend, I'm not super familiar with the mechanics of like why this would have crashed the Solana network. Maybe there's a different way to design the protocol such that that doesn't happen. Uh, that's number one. The other thing though is like, if fundamentally there isn't enough liquidity to be able to support a collateral balance of the size that this whale had, then you should use collateral caps. 
right? So like you shouldn't allow there to be this much collateral in the system if you ultimately can't liquidate it. I just want to add one remark. I think we're talking about crashing the price of Solana, not the blockchain itself. Well, in this, in we're talking, case, right? we're actually talking about both. So to get in the weeds just for a second, the first order impact of trying to liquidate probably $20 million worth of salt would have been a huge correction in the markets, probably followed by a big bounce back because of it. people would see an arbitrage opportunity, but it would have crashed the price at least temporarily. It would have also possibly created a system whereby the network could have run into some issues itself. And now it's a little too complicated for our purposes to get into exactly why that happened. But there are two possible outcomes of this liquidation had it happened. It was the crashing price and even the crashing network. Probably because the blockchains like become less secure where the price of the underlying asset falls. I wouldn't say it was because of that. It's more of a botting situation where people are rushing to deal with the order flow. I'm not an expert on precisely how it is, but it was going to be a situation that could have gotten really hairy on a lot of different fronts, which, you know, to talk to what Teddy's speaking to here, isn't something that inspires confidence. Well, Teddy, I have a question for you about how these decisions should be made, if at all, right? Like we're in a decentralized world. We Lots of these projects call themselves DAOs. This one certainly does, at least for this instance. When you have a crisis situation, how should, in your mind, these decisions be made about how the protocol should function in the time of crisis? Uh, yeah, yeah. So, I, you know, I think that obviously the Solan guys were in a very, very challenging situation. I don't think they had very many good options. I think I don't want to second guess sort of their decision making. You know, ultimately, you really have to put your users' funds and safety. That has to be the most important thing. It's hard for me to know exactly why they made the decisions they did. Like, I'm not super well versed in the details of the situation. I would say that like the, the most important thing has to be your users' funds, for sure. Now, it sounds to me like they were in a situation where they had to choose between the potential safety of their users' funds and like the rights of one particular user. And they were sort of violating the terms of service for this particular user to protect their users' funds. I think that that's a really tough spot to be in. It's not clear to me which decision they should have taken. The thing that I think does make sense, though, is that you should really, really try to not get into that situation, right? And that sounds obvious, but like, these are my critiques, right? Is that like, this situation was avoidable because one, you could have utilized collateral caps that would have made it such that you didn't have more collateral than you could effectively liquidate, right? So that's one thing. And then the other thing, if fundamentally the blockchain you're building on is unstable and can't do what it needs to do, you know, when you need it to work, in my opinion, you shouldn't build on that blockchain. Well, it is true in hindsight is always 2020, but let's just talk about Notional for a second. Let's pretend there's a hypothetical situation where for whatever reason, there's a situation that could go sour in a big way and Notional has to adjust to that situation. How would Notional attempt to rectify it? The specifics of our hypothetical, it's irrelevant. It's more, how would a decision be made if there needs to be some resolution to a pending crisis, because what we saw yeah. for Solan was a DAO vote 
it happened very quickly in six hours, 1% quorum, one voter made the, the whole position, a lot of issues, but at least in principle, it happened with a vote. How would it happen with Notional? Yeah, so I, I think that this is going to vary by protocol based on sort of where you are in the decentralization spectrum. Now for Notional, we are not very far along the path of progressive decentralization. So Notional still holds admin keys to the protocol. For example, if someone alerted us to a critical vulnerability, we would take administrative action without putting it up to a vote to protect users' funds. So that's how it would go on on Notional. And that's because ultimately the thing that we value the most is users' funds. You know, there are other protocols that are sort of in a different place. Like for example, Compound, there are no admin keys and any changes to the contracts have to pass the time lock and all that stuff. And you saw how that played out. They had that vulnerability where they were issuing comp incentives way more than they were supposed to be. And so it, it took them a week to change the contracts because they really were fully decentralized. So I think it depends on what stage the protocol is at. Just from personally, I don't blame them for taking administrative action. I don't think that decentralization should be held up as kind of like a sacred cow. If you're in the early stages of the protocol, I think it's okay. If you disclose that like there is this administrative access, I think it's okay to use that in the time of emergency as long as you use it for the right reasons. Can I just say something here? I mean, I think you talk about decentralization as a sacred cow, i.e. something that is sort of religiously observed, but not something to be expected in practice. But I mean, this is the whole rhetoric. This is the whole bloody point of crypto to have these decentralized systems that are permissionless and that are not subject to intervention by intermediaries, even in moments of extremists, even in moments when something can crash. Bitcoin is not supposed to be like that. So why should we accept something different with a chain like Solana? I think it's a matter of, it's like a place that we want to build towards. But I think that, you know, you can recognize that we're kind of early along this path. And as you get further down, the infrastructure gets like less and less risky and more and more well-defined, well-understood. And you can sort of go more on the decentralized part of the trade-off, right? But I don't think it's a problem to start off more on the centralized side and sort of progressively get there with just the understanding that, you know, these, these systems are new and experimental. And things might happen that you didn't expect. And it would be good to have these admin capabilities to keep people safe. I don't think it's good for an industry that wants to build trust, that's trying to kind of gain favor with a new generation of investors to be constantly kind of reneging on promises. If you can't promise decentralization, then don't say you're going to deliver it. I mean, I agree with that, but I think that we're in agreement. I guess what I would say is that if you do have this admin access, you should disclose that. I agree. If you say that you're completely decentralized, you should stick to that. I guess the thing is you just shouldn't say that, right? Until you really are. Let me speak for a second about that issue. I think that it's almost a good thing to have a level of centralization. And you're right. If we can't be compromising, saying one thing and doing the other, but also there's no better way of turning off users and making people think, wow, these systems are terrible and I shouldn't use them than (laughs) having a situation where you aren't nimble enough to act in a crisis, right? Like with compound, you've got to clear the time lock. You got to do this, you got to do that. All that takes time. And time is something that for Soland, when this whole practice started, it was an asset that they were short on. They were worried that the liquidation was imminent. And as soon as that would happen, everything would go to shit. So they had to move fast. If you are in a fully decentralized world, whatever that means, 
you might not have that ability to act quickly. And then the bad thing happens and people lose money in ways that they didn't expect to. If I'm an average user, I'm going to care a lot more about a system that broke than a system that wasn't fully whatever decentralized means, because it's only in one of those that I lose my money. I think that there's kind of different cases there. I'm talking more broadly about the kind of reputation and believability of the industry at large. And I think there's a kind of lot of rhetoric around decentralization. And there are a lot of cases like this one where in moments of extremists, in moments of emergency, the kind of rhetoric goes out the window. And I just think that we should be careful what we're saying to people about what we can deliver. No, but there is a point in that because some people will tell you, okay, why don't you go to a bank? Why don't you go to a casino? Why don't you go to, you know, literally any fiat institution that allows you to make money? And then crypto people would say, well, decentralization, nobody's in charge. Nobody's in control of your funds. It's all your control. But then you realize that it's actually centralized. It's not that different from a Mm. bank or a casino, credit union, whatever. And then it kind of loses the whole point that has been proving why this should exist goes away. I I don't think that's the whole point, actually. And I've said my piece, but I think that decentralization is very important. And it's a thing that we want to work towards, right? As you get out of the sort of like risky initial stage where the stuff is unproven and untested and still experimental, the risk of like a crisis recedes. And so you can give up these admin controls progressively. I think that that's how you should do it. But also, I would just say that decentralization isn't the only good thing about DeFi. It's also transparency. For example, in this whole, you know, all the stuff that's happened in the past few weeks, nobody has known. Who's solvent? Who isn't solvent? Where the exposure is? How bad it's going to get? Nobody knows except the people sort of making deals in back rooms, right? That is very much not true in DeFi. And it's not decentralization, but it is transparency. And so that is also a pro of of these DeFi protocols. Well, I would say transparency is possible because the decentralization because it's under nobody's hood. What's what's happening is visible to everybody because everybody can run a piece of that system and see for themselves. Aren't these two things necessarily related? I, I don't think so. Because like, I mean, just look at the Solen case, right? There's clear lack of decentralization. And yet we all could see the situation coming. We saw how they dealt with it. They couldn't hide that. How many of such cases, you know, may have happened in uh, centralized lending? You'll never know right? You will never know. But in this case, you did. I think that that is a clear benefit DeFi has shown relative to CeFi in this past few weeks. So you're almost of two contradictory points. Well, not contradictory, but competing points on the Solana case. On one hand, it shows the inherent issues of building on Solana. But on the other hand, it demonstrates the power of transparent systems, because even though the result was not something that we liked and the reason that it had to come about was a really core issue, everyone could see what was happening every step of the way. And that is not at all what you see with Celsius or a three arrows, although you actually can sometimes because some other movements are on chain. Yeah, yeah, I think that's, I think that's fair. Danny, I mean, this is kind of mind-boggling. Uh, I kind of look at this case and I just think uh, this whole DeFi system is so unstable at the moment. We've had a number of uh, outages and hacks and failures of these systems. I mean, what does this sort of portend for the future? I mean, can we trust these systems going forward? Is this the future of finance or is this just another kind of instability moment in crypto? 
Well, I would say that the big takeaway is you need to have confidence in each individual project, right? It's hard to make blanket statements about all of DeFi from this, other than you could say all of DeFi is a big mess. I would say that's correct. But Solend could have avoided this situation by having other controls in place that would have disincentivized a single whale from taking such a big position as a percentage of the pool. Maybe that would be a, you can't contribute above X amount. Maybe more likely it would be, it becomes more expensive to contribute above X amount or you're disincentivizing it. But there are ways, I assume, I'm not a builder, of creating more resilient systems. And it's a matter of preempting those issues. It's a matter of thinking, this is what could happen and this is what we're going to do to avoid that situation proactively. Is it even possible to have confidence, to have like 100% confidence in any of these protocols? I think even Compound screwed up at some point, even like big platforms that has been around for long and kind of the giants of DeFi made some mistakes just because these systems are so difficult, so complex. I cannot imagine like what can possibly make you 100% sure that this particular platform you're trusting your money with won't screw up. I would say, well, you know, this, this place has been like that for several years now. It's been years now of its existence that protocols got hacked, platforms got hacked, somebody exploited a loophole in the code that nobody knew about. So I think the problem is that many people are talking with so much confidence about DeFi as riskless or like sure way to make money. While actually it's a developing experimental realm where all kinds of crashes and screw ups and blows is possible. So you just need to know that it's high risk. And if you're putting money in that, you can win wildly, but you can also lose wildly. So maybe don't put your last money into that crazy internet money machine. Don't risk more than you can lose. Definitely. Well, I think one of the problems with the bull run is it kind of makes people forget that these are incredibly risky ventures oh, yeah. um, and it's rising tide of, of risk acceptance that is not good for individual people who are just sort of piling in on the back end of other wins that they've had in more stable projects. I think that's what we're seeing now is like a sort of tail end of ripped off retail investors getting screwed over because they didn't really understand that this is very much in the realm of, as you say, Anna, experimentation rather than uh, sort of fully fledged projects. Just a little remark, I think a lot of responsibility here also lies on the experts who have some authority. And with that authority, they can speak with so much confidence about this nascent, actually, protocols and say, yeah, you can make money here. No problem. Just jump all in. Probably careful with experts like that, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And you can't ever be 100% sure with anything in crypto, right? Like that's kind of the point. There's always going to be trust even though we're building trustless systems, if you're going to use DeFi, you're ending up trusting that something is going to work. But there is no such guarantee in crypto, certainly no guarantee in DeFi that everything will always work. And that's what makes it fun, right? Watching the world burn. That's what makes DeFi fun to cover. On that note, I think it's a good time to wrap up. Thank you, Teddy Woodward. That's the CEO of Notional Finance, and we'll be watching this space very closely. Danny Nelson and Anna Bedakova, two reporters here at Coindesk. And I'm Ben Schiller, I'm the features editor here. Thanks very much for listening and we'll talk to you next time. You've been listening to Opinionated with Ben Schiller, Anna Bedakova, Danny Nelson and guest Teddy Woodward. 
Today's show was produced by Michelle Mousseau and edited by Eleanor Paul. Our theme song is by Ellison. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. Please reach out to us at podcast at coindesk.com, subject line, opinionated. Or leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening.